This episode is brought to you by McDonald's. Not sure you've heard of them. <laughs> Up and coming uh, little restaurant, but they're making it. They're the little engine that could. You know, the moment of bliss when you spot your fries being scooped into the carton and suddenly time slows down. I have that all the time. I love their fries. Oh, yeah. yes. McDonald's fries hit different when they're free. That's another thing I'll tell you. And when they belong to your friends, there's no better feeling than thinking you're out of fries and then you discover extra fries at the bottom of your bag or else my son still hasn't finished his fries yeah. and I'm done with mine. And uh, he used to be weaker than me so I could just take them. Yeah. Now I can't because he's stronger than me. Oh, yeah, yeah. There's no wrong way to eat McDonald's fries, but we all think our way is the best way. And I like stealing them from someone else. That's my favorite <laughs> way. Get your favorite McDonald's fries today. McDonald's, check them out sometime. They're everywhere. From your morning podcast to your afternoon playlist, you know you personalize your entire day. That's why State Farm helps you personalize your insurance with the State Farm Personal Price Plan. That's a lot of bees. Yeah. It offers coverage options that help protect what you care about most at an affordable price just for you. That's important. You want an affordable price. Yeah, I do want one. Yeah, if it's too much, well, that's just not going to happen. No. <laughs> State Farm's on it. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Prices vary by state. I'm lowering my voice. Mm, Options selected by customer. Availability and eligibility may vary. Hi, my name is El Antojito, a.k.a. Anthony Anderson. And I feel bloated, hungover, and constipated about being Conan O'Brien's friend. <laughs> <laughs> Hello there, and welcome to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend. Uh, this is Conan O'Brien, and yes, I am constantly in search of a friend. It's true. You know, people, I think, listening to the podcast assume, oh, you must by now have a friend. We really get along in these podcasts, and then, uh, you know, we're in a pandemic, quarantine, it's over. I don't hear from these people. Wow, no one's followed up, huh? Not one follow-up yet on true friendship. Okay. And we're, I think we're over 100 podcasts in. Yeah. <laughs> Not one true friend. But fortunately, I'm always joined by two people who I think would give their lives for me. Whoa. Sona Movsesian. Sona, you wow. would- Sona. No. No? Give my life yes. to you? yes. No, why? Why would you even think that? That's not even anything that even kind of crossed my mind. Even if I could save you sometimes, I think <laughs> like Wait. if you were falling off a cliff and you were like, please just grab my arm, I'd be like, I'd hesitate. Even if you were uh, had a seatbelt attaching you to a nearby oak tree so that was, there was no danger that I'd pull you over, you're saying even if there was no danger to you, you yeah. would be conflicted for a second about whether or not I deserve to live some more. It would be like a, a slight hesitation, but I would do it. And I, I want you to know that I would do that. And that's how much you mean to me. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Sona. <laughs> to be succinct, what you're basically saying is, uh, I love you so much, Conan, that if your life were in danger and I could save it easily at no yep. risk to my own, I'd hesitate, but probably still do it. <laughs> 
Exactly. You know what I want to do? I want uh, the people at Hallmark to make that card. <laughs> I, if there was no risk to my life and it would be easy for me to save yours, I would hesitate, but probably still do it. And then you put a $5 bill in there and you go, thanks, Grandma. Uh, now, Gorley, I know you to be an honorable man, a man of tradition, uh, a man uh, who would always be willing to give your life for a friend. You seem like that kind of guy. Yes, sometimes do I take a little jab at you, possibly? Maybe. But it's all good fun among chums. So what do you think? Would you give your life? I would absolutely give my life for you, Sona. Uh Oh, for Sona. Girls- I would give my life for you. All right. Well, that's great. Yeah. No, Conan, I would absolutely give my... Oh, let me think about this. <laughs> I don't think you should. Okay, great. I'm released. <laughs> You're released from your responsibility. Yeah. Um, I'd give a limb to save your life. Which oh. limb? Are you, ki- are you kidding? Well, it makes a difference. <laughs> I'd save my left leg. You mean you'd sacrifice your left leg? Yeah. Yeah, that's the leg we don't use as much. <laughs> I'm right-legged. Yeah, it's true. <gasps> oh my God. You are. You'd, <laughs> you'd walk in circles for the rest of your life. Uh, yeah, I mean, the prosthetics now are so amazing. That's what I'm thinking about. They make these incredible, yeah. like, st- I mean, sometimes you see people running in the, you know, with, the, with a fake leg or something. You're like, that thing is awesome. They do look pretty cool. Yeah, yeah. they do. And they you do. think, then you st- and I start to think I would put a, a charging port in that. I don't know. There are all ways that you could modify. Charging port. Yeah. For my various electronics. (laughs) I just find it disturbing that Gourley said he would give a limb for you. And then you made him tell you which limb. Like that's Yeah, that felt contractual. Like that you were wasn't cool. It. Yeah. Well, I don't know. It makes a difference. Uh, I think I might have just agreed to something in the future that I'm not prepared to do. That's true. I now know. I'm gonna now I'm gonna say my life's in danger and that you need to give that limb, even though later on you find out by in danger, I read about a windstorm several hundred miles away. <laughs> <laughs> I read about it in the papers. And I thought it could be of some concern. Gorley, have that operation immediately. <laughs> All right, I guess so. Are you sure it's important? Oh, that windstorm's headed this way. Where is it now? It's in Nebraska. Conan, we're in Los Angeles. I know, but they say it's on a westerly track. You wouldn't lie to me. It has a 1% chance of hitting LA. Remove that limb. <laughs> I want to hear a bone saw in the next five minutes. Oh, my God. You know, when I was a kid, I had appendicitis, uh, and it was really bad. I don't know how old I was. I was about 10 years old. I mean, I remember being doubled over, and my dad took me to the hospital, and they said, we have to operate right away. And I remembered saying to the doctor, save the appendix. I want it. What? <laughs> yes. Oh I remember the doctor being like, what? And I was like, and I'm doubled over in pain, this little red-haired weirdo with a bowl cut and freckles, <laughs> doubled over, and I was like, save my appendix, I want it. <laughs> I think they told me yes, and then of course the next thing you know, you're counting back from 100, and this is a long time ago, so you know uh, they just had a sponge with some ether on it. Uh, <laughs> and a doctor in the corner was heating a knife over a blade, and we were on a whaling ship, I remember that. It was in a storm. 
But anyway, no, I was at uh, Children's Hospital in uh, in Boston, Massachusetts, and uh, I wake up. My mother's there, and a nurse is there. And the first thing I said was, "Did they say?" I was expecting them to hand me a jar with my appendix. What? I said, "Did they save my appendix?" And the nurse said, "No." <laughs> what are you talking about? And I said, but they told me they would. And they're like, here, have a plum. Yeah. What were you going to do with it? I don't know, but I remembered having this very strong feeling. It was mine. It like (laughs) belong. It was mine. It was a piece of me. Maybe I had a premonition that I'd become a character of some historic significance. What? And And you'd want that in a museum or on eBay or what? What What would we do with it? Well, for look. It's inevitable there will be a Conan museum one day. And let's not, you guys are going to do your, oh, okay. Yeah, Sonia, you're going to do your, oh, that's ridiculous. Oh, that's stupid. No, you never know what's going to happen. And what if they actually had my, you know, you you went to the Conan O'Brien Museum and you're like, oh, there's a scrunchie from Sona's hair. There's, (laughs) you know- <clears throat> there, don't, don't worry about it. There's Matt Gorley's watch fob. Uh, <laughs> um, you know, uh, whatever. You go through the, the Conan Museum. These are different shows. These are different, you know, little pieces of memorabilia. There's a microphone he used. Oh, look. Look what they have in this uh, in this case. His appendix removed. <laughs> yeah, that's when they'd go get your things. We're leaving. Yeah. No. I'm just putting this out to anybody out there who's had an operation and something's been removed. Ever notice they don't give it to you? It's yours. You made it. It's your cellular structure. Huh. I just, I want my appendix. It's out there somewhere. Somewhere there's a jar. Definitely in a landfill. Someone knows something. Somewhere there's, first of all, if it is in a landfill, it'll be easy to see because it'll be glowing. (laughs) What? What, is it special? Yeah, look for it, faithful, and you'll see. If you see a glowing landfill, you know that my uh, appendix is in there. No, you're just getting people to go into a toxic waste dump. <laughs> I know. <laughs> Nuclear looking, waste. Let me let for me a 40-year-old appendix. <laughs> let me rephrase. It's either uh, means that it's the holy site, burial site of my magical appendix, oh, or- God. Uh, there's a lot of nuclear-grade plutonium in there. <laughs> One or the other. But either way, get on your knees and start digging with your hands as quickly as you can. Um, <sighs> now, I'm not saying I'm good at transitions, <laughs> but I don't think that's the point of Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend. The point is not professionalism, but intention and pureness of heart. And I'm very delighted about our guest today. He is an absolutely hilarious actor and comedian who stars as Dre Johnson in the ABC series Blackish. He also hosts the game show To Tell the Truth. He is a lovely human being, just a, a fine, a fine gentleman, and I'm honored to know him. So excited to talk to him today. Anthony Anderson, welcome. First of all, uh, you know, I'm a huge fan of yours and I've loved having you on the show. And uh, thank you for doing this because I've been really looking forward to talking to you. Uh, You are such a funny guy, such a talented guy. You've had spectacular success. And I feel like every time we talk, we end up talking about your mom. And I love it because she's one of my favorite characters. She's. she's, (laughs) Well, she is a character, Conan. She is. I don't even think. She is. I mean, I think you script things for Doris because the stuff you tell me about Doris sounds like 
Actually, it sounds better than what any writer's room could come up with. Because it's real. You know, we live in a world where art imitates life. Well, when it comes to uh, my mom, life is imitating art. (laughs) So she's just, she's got this Lucille Ball in the old I Love Lucy show quality about her, which is the person who wants to be in show business. She's show business adjacent because you've had all this success but she wants in on show business the way Lucy wanted in on show business because she was married to Ricky. Don't you feel that sometimes? Like your mom really has the bug. No, she does. And, 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 and quite naturally, my mother always wanted to be an actor. Uh, the one thing that uh, two things stopped her. She uh, was a single mother at, at uh, 17 when she had me. Mm-hmm. Uh, but more importantly, she's a horrible actress. So, <laughs> that is oh what that small tragic flaw what did you see her in where you realized have you seen her in something as a child where you thought like yeah you know what was your experience of seeing your mom perform uh because of her lack of talent i really didn't see her in much nobody would give her an opportunity mm-hmm. but i i remember we were or she was in a production of A Raisin in the Sun at Compton Community College, uh, which is where I grew up. Mm-hmm. And I'm the oldest of four, uh, the three boys and a girl. My sister is the youngest. But at that time, it was just the three boys. And we were in the back of the theater. And I happened to look up on stage and, and see my mother performing or rehearsing uh, A Raisin in the Sun. And I said, that is what I'm going to do with the rest of my life. Wow, um, that's impressive. Yeah, so that is where the bug bit me. Right. But my mother and I, I was 18 months old and she put me in a production of a play called Bread, Beans and Things. And uh, so that was our first uh, time working together. And uh, we haven't really worked together professionally until, you know, we started doing our game show to tell yeah. the truth. Yeah, yeah, you started um, putting her in that. So it, it's it's been a long time coming. But again, she put her dreams on being an actor on hold to raise an actor, not knowing that's what she was doing. Right. And my mother has always been so excited for my success. Yeah, that's sweet. That's yeah. nice. Well, she should be. But, you know, I want to tell you something. This is where you and I can bond. I got the bug because as a kid, I saw my mother perform in a production of Raisin in the Sun. (laughs) And it was in Compton. I remember the crowd being very, very unhappy. There was a lot of... Uh, a lot of people didn't think she belonged in A Raisin in the Sun, this uh, this, well. this Irish woman. Uh, I thought it was very progressive, uh, but I remember the crowd getting very hostile and we both had to run out of there. But that's when I knew I want to alienate crowds. I want <laughs> well, well, uh, uh, well, Conan, your mother being in the production of A Raisin in the Sun uh, as an Irish woman, should have changed the title to a prune. <laughs> <laughs> the Irish, let me admit, the Irish, we we have various skin problems. <laughs> we don't age well. Uh, let's put it that way. Um, you're going to look like you for the next 110 years, Anthony. Yeah, yeah. Uh, I am already starting to, uh, I, I look like a, a parade float from six years ago. It was not. <laughs> but it's funny because now you're working with your mom. Uh, my parents were never in show business, had nothing to do with show business, but it'd be tricky to work 
with a parent, I would think, you know? It would just be, unless, does she ever pull rank on you? Even though you're Anthony Anderson, you're, you know, you're the sort of the CEO. Uh, she tries to, Conan. She tries to. <laughs> she, and, 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 I, and I let her think that she's the actual star of the operation. Uh, <laughs> she thinks it's all because of her. Yeah. And I was like, okay, ma, if, if, if that's what you want to believe, sure, believe it. You know, like I say, you know, my mother is my biggest cheerleader. It's been uh, uh, it's been 25 plus years for me now in this industry, working consistently as an actor where this has been the only job that I've had uh, to be able to provide for myself and my family and all of that. And my mother still is so excited as this as if this is day one for me. Mm-hmm. And I was like, Ma, you gotta, you gotta calm down. You, you, you gotta relax. We've been doing this almost three decades now. This is nothing new to us. But because her thirst for fame was never quite quenched uh, when she, when she was growing up, uh, that you know, every waking moment, wh- what are we doing, baby? Where are we going? Who are you talking to? Uh, wh- who are we talking to uh, today? Where, where are we going to go? And I was like, Ma, you got to relax. My mother would go to Kinko's and print pictures out of myself. And she would forge my autograph on them and just hand them out to people. <laughs> and she'd be like, I'm Anthony Anderson's mama. And it was like, yeah, but I don't give a damn. <laughs> and, and Conan, I, I really had to stop her. I was like, mom, I was like, one day somebody's going to snatch you off the street and kidnap your ass and hold you for ransom thinking I got more money than what I have. And I'm going to have to tell them that, uh, hey, if you call it for ransom, I'm sorry, this is all I got, and if that's right. not enough, um, cut her feet off first because she doesn't like her feet. So if you want to do something, you know, start with the feet. That's and, great. Uh, you can always put grocery uh, cart wheels on the bottom of the feet. You know what I mean? Just jam some. She'll roll around. She won't always go in the direction she wants to go, but uh, she'll eventually get where she's going. I love that. I, I have told, I've put it out there that that, you know, to all kidnappers, I tap out after $6,000. That's it. $6,000 my limit. And, uh, you know, that's, and that's like, that's 15 trips to the, to different ATMs. And that's it. I, I haven't, I haven't really thought about what my limit would be, but it, it's between six and 10 grand. Yes, yeah, I'm, I'm right telling you. you. That's I'm telling number. you. I'm telling you. It's very clear when you think about it for just a second, people act like, oh, I don't even know if I could put a price. When you think about it for a second, you get your price, and mine is $6,000. If it's $6,500 and friends are saying, I'll spot you the $500, i am like, no, no. <laughs> I draw the line. Yeah, this is I, don't, it. I don't like these people that much, you know? Uh, uh, no, I actually think, I think it's, I think it's sweet and it's appropriate. My mom, the uh, same way, always uh, never quite got used to the idea. So I could be walking along the street and this is after years of being on television. I'd be with her and someone, you know, 900 yards away would shout, Conan! And I would just turn and wave and go, hey! And then keep walking and she would say, that person called you. You should go back over there. And I'd be like, mom, they're walking the other way. They're 900 yards away. But they called you. You should go over there. 
And, you know, because she really thought, like, how exciting that someone recognized you. And I, I am, I, I think, probably like you. I'm, I try to be very generous and nice to people. But if someone's 900 yards away and walking in the other direction and doesn't even seem to want me to come back. Right. <laughs> I think if I started right. following that person, they would have called a cop. So, uh, <laughs> well, 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 Conan, mine is just the opposite. My mother goes out and gets people and brings them to me. <laughs> That's what my mother does. She goes out and recruits fans. <laughs> and, and then as she's bringing them back, she was like, so do you watch my show? And they were like, what's your show, ma'am? Oh, I'm, I'm the host of To Tell the Truth. That's my show. <laughs> so that's, uh, that, yeah, that's, that's what my mother does. My mother, I swear to God, she used to go to the star market in Chestnut Hill and she would say to the guy bagging groceries, do you like television? And the kid with like acne would be like, I don't know, I guess I watch television. Do you like late night shows? Oh, sometimes I watch them. Do you ever watch Conan O'Brien? Oh, on occasion, if nothing else is on. And then she would say, well, guess what? I'm his mother and I have a keychain for you. And she had, she kept laminated keychains in her pocket. And the guy wouldn't say like, yippee. The guy would take it the way if someone handed me sort of a wet, dead butterfly, I'd go, okay, I guess. Not sure where I'm going to put it, but... Okay, I guess that's something. Conan, um, your mom and my mom are the same, except for keychains. My mother would literally walk around with a gross of black and white 8 by 10s glossies <laughs> of me that she forged my autograph on. I so love they it. would just there would just be pictures. <laughs> and then my mother would write the person's what what's your name? What's your name, honey? Okay, Conan, all right, Anthony wrote this to you. And she would hand it out. She would walk around with just a satchel of eight by tens. Anthony wanted you to have this. Yeah, okay, mama. Well, God bless them. And I mean, she's got to be, because what you've done is singular. Uh, I mean, yes, I talk to a lot of people who have uh, made it big in show business and, and, you know, God bless them all. But you, more than anyone I can think of, you had a conscience about what it is you wanted to do, what message you wanted to put out there uh, with Blackish and and with your cast and your writers. And it is, uh, I think, exceptional. I think what you've achieved is quite unusual and 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 it's meaningful it's really meaningful to to so many people in, in and I would say that in any community to show that you can take the format of television and say yeah but this is what we want to say about this moment in time mm-hmm. this is what we want to say that we think has value and needs to be said yeah is thank it, you it, man that, that that's yeah that that's so on point with what uh Kenya Barris who's my partner in this and um who created our show we, we sat down and we talked about the landscape of television uh, and what was missing for us as viewers. Uh, eight years ago now, before we shot the pilot, before we had an idea of anything, and, and we, we both realized that we had the same sensibilities. You know, Kenya being from Inglewood, me being from Compton, both of mm-hmm. us being first generation successful, uh, and the shows that we watched, uh, All in the Family. Good Times, The Jeffersons yep. And, yep. And, and Cosby's, you know, shows that that spoke to the moment in which they were in and from. Uh, 
characters that were unapologetic and opinionated, uh, who stood firm in their truth and what, what they believed in and what they felt. And you, you knew where you stood with these characters. And, and we talked about shows like that and what we wanted to do. Right. And, uh, and then we just started talking about our families and we were sharing these stories about our families and the, um, the struggles in which we were going through as black fathers raising black children in white suburbia yep. uh, with, with the success that, that we've had. And, you know, the challenges that our children uh, were facing. My, my son, in particular, was the only chocolate drop, not only in his class, but in his grade for three and a half years. Wow. And uh, we, I was sharing those stories with Kenya. And, um, you know, my son at 12 years old said he wanted to have uh, a bar mitzvah. You know, and I was right. like, son, that's not that's not what we do. That's not who we are. Yeah, and- but 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 Anthony, you have to admit, they're pretty awesome. Oh, no. I mean, I, <laughs> they get they so are. much good stuff. I they, want a bar mitzvah now. <laughs> they, they, they are. They are. Kona. And, you know, it's crazy. I said, son, I, we can't do that. But I, what, what I will do, I will throw you a bro mitzvah. And <laughs> oh, that's a great idea. Yeah, and I went and I went I went and I trademarked the name Bro Mitzvah, and uh, I, I threw him one. And he's twenty; he'll be twenty-one next month. To this day, all his friends, uh, all of his Jewish friends, say it was the best bar mitzvah they've ever gone to. What can you describe? What are the differences with a Bro Mitzvah? Uh, just black people. <laughs> I guess I guess I asked a pretty stupid question. <laughs> you, you know what? I have, so you're uh, <laughs> so you're still reading from the Torah. There's still a, there's still a lot of because you know what? If there was a bar mitzvah, look, I have a lot of respect for the Jewish people, and I love their culture, and I love their religion, and uh, I have been to many many bar mitzvahs, both as a kid and as an adult. Uh, I don't. I they lose me sometimes with the readings from the. Torah. So if you were throwing a bar mitzvah minus the Torah readings, plus the food, plus even, you know, I'm so I want to go to a bro mitzvah. That's what I'm saying. You, 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 you should come. Uh, there, there was there were slight modifications at the bro mitzvah. You know, I had um, I had uh, called Kango and had Kango send bucket hats. I called, I, I called Adidas, and I, I bought his entire eighth grade class Shelto Adidas. Um, I had two DJs. I had a graffiti artist who were airbrushing uh, uh, white T-shirts throughout the night for whoever came in. Uh, and uh, that, that was our party. We passed them around in a chair. That was probably the only thing that. We, <laughs> oh, we, wait a minute! You kept, you stuck with the chair, the raising up of the chair. That's fantastic. <laughs> yes, we did that and passed him around the party. Man, he had a ball. Uh, you know what's great? I wish that in you know because what they do at a lot of bar mitzvahs is they give you a yarmulke and then it has the name of the uh, the boy being bar mitzvahed embroidered on the inside of the yarmulke. Uh-huh. And it's making me wish that you had given out Kangle caps, but it said uh, instead of your son's name on the inside, this incredibly Jewish name in memory. <laughs> well, Myron that- Goldblum, you know. <laughs> I wish I had you there to talk to me. That, that, that's where the modifications came from, as, as, as opposed to putting the name in the yarmulke or the hat. I had the, the graffiti artist there airbrushing white T-shirts for everybody. That's fantastic. <laughs> 
it, it's funny. I've had the uh, the honor of uh, talking with former First Lady Michelle Obama uh, a couple of times. And, and one of the conversations we got into and that she talks about a lot in her book is the complications of, um, you know, sh- she came from uh, South Side of Chicago, but uh, her parents were aspiring for her to have a better life. And they put this uh, sort of, I think, emphasis on her uh, speaking well and studying hard. And she remembered getting flack for that because she was saying, you know, she talked about that. She talked about getting flack for, it's almost like trying to, uh, I don't know how to put it, but trying to aspire mm-hmm. uh, to to move up into this culture. And then you realize how complicated that can be. You know, mm-hmm. like it can be complicated for, uh, and and I think this is something you talk a lot about in Blackish, which is we 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 want to be successful and live in the suburbs because guess what? That's a nice way to live. But there are these complications that come with it. Yeah. Well, um, I get where you were going uh, with with that Michelle Obama story in the hood. We would call it that. Oh, you're just trying to be white. Mm-hmm. It was like so. When when did speaking proper English, intelligible English? And being understood mean that I, I'm I'm lo- trying to throw away my blackness and become white. No, I'm just trying right. to be I'm just trying to be well spoken. Yeah, uh, I'm just trying to be able to communicate and have people understand me when I communicate with them. Uh, so that's that's we talked about that on the show. But but that was a dilemma that being from the hood uh, was all about. I'll never forget my very first television show. Uh, I was on NBC mm-hmm. and uh, it was called Hang Time. It was a Saturday morning uh, show about a high school basketball team. And I was the lone uh, black guy on the show. Uh, and I'll never forget, I met one of my co-stars' mom. And when I met her, we had a, a brief conversation and she turned to her son and said, Chad, he speaks so well. Yeah. And I was like, so well for what? Uh, yeah. A fat guy? So well, for, because I, I don't know what you mean by I speak so well, ma'am. Yep. And, uh, you know, Chad, Chad was uh, uh, slightly embarrassed by that. I was like, Chad, it, it, it's, it's all good, man. I, I, it's all good. No, no harm, no file, but foul. But uh, yeah, yeah, it's, uh, it's, it's a very interesting dichotomy coming from places like that and just trying to be worldly. I'm going to say, unfortunately... Uh, our culture and and the news of the last couple of years has provided your show with all kinds of things to discuss, which, mm-hmm. you know, in, in I think in the tradition of those Norman, many of those Norman Lear shows that you were referencing, you want to take things that are happening right now in the culture and discuss them on the air and, and uh, on the air on your show and have them be part of what's happening uh, on your show, which I, I imagine is... Look, I wish there weren't so many opportunities, but mm-hmm. it also has been, uh, I think, vital for for Blackish. Don't you think? I I, I do. Uh, I agree. It's it's been um, it's been a great learning experience for all across the board. Uh, uh, for myself, for for um, for our community, and for the community at large uh, to witness and so somewhat be the fly on the wall as these stories are being told and these conversations are being had. Yeah. Um, you know, yeah, we, 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 we all learn from one another and we all learn about ourselves, uh, you know, when, when the mirror, when we're forced to look into the mirror and, and, and that's what we're doing on our show. 
the way in today, Sona, I was thinking about just how much has changed over the years. Yeah. You know, when I was a kid, we were all dancing the Jitterbug and the Watusi. And then you grow up now and there's mosh pits and everything's gone (laughs) cuckoo. There's this new thing called rap. I don't know what's happening anymore. But guess what? In a world full of change, there's one thing that hasn't changed. Mm -hmm. The great taste of Miller Lite. Are you with me on this? Oh, yeah. I'm right there with you. Yeah. And you know, another thing that hasn't changed is that it's less filling. Yeah. I hate a filling beer. When I have a filling beer, I just want to sit down in a beanbag chair for six days, but not with Miller Lite. So what's the best thing about the original light beer? Mm -hmm. Back in 1975, the big debate in America was what's more important, that it's less filling Miller Lite or it tastes great. Yeah. The cool thing is when we all realized it's both. Okay. It's less filling and it tastes great. Yeah, right, everybody wins. Everybody wins. Miller Lite keeps it simple. Undebatable quality, great taste, only 96 calories. You don't have to choose what's best. Miller Lite has great taste and it's less filling. Tastes like Miller time. To get Miller Lite delivered right to your door, visit MillerLite.com slash Conan. Or you can find it pretty much anywhere that sells beer. Yeah. Celebrate responsibly. Miller Brewing Company, Milwaukee, Wisconsin. 96 calories per 12 ounces. Fewer cows and carbs than premium regular beer. If most people are being honest, no one really knows what you do for work, right? Yeah, it's true. Yeah, especially if you're in a, what I like to call B2B. Oh, you know? what, what is that? I'll explain. Okay. That's a business doing business with other businesses. Okay. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. I call it B2B. It's a little thing. It's also, uh, it's a boy band I'm working on. <laughs> anyway, fortunately, LinkedIn has a network of professionals who get what you do, and you can reach the right people who matter most to your company because they're LinkedIn. Yeah. That's what they do. Yeah. LinkedIn has over, this is the fun part to say, one billion members. Are you serious? Yeah. That's not. That's more people than are on Earth because there are people on the moon using it and Saturn. <laughs> that's one over one billion members on its platform, including 70 million decision makers. God, I'd like to meet a decision maker. Since LinkedIn members are regularly updating their work history, you can precisely build a target audience by job title, industry, company, and more. Man, you can reach the right people for your, I'm going to say it again, B2B business with LinkedIn ads. Gets even better because LinkedIn will give you a $100 credit on your next campaign. Hmm. There you go. Just go to linkedin.com slash Team Coco to claim your credit. That's linkedin.com slash Team Coco. Terms and conditions apply. LinkedIn, the place to be, to be. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. We all sometimes have issues or things we need to talk about, get off our chest. I have that all the time, don't you, Sona? I do. Yeah, and we need people to talk to. And we carry around different stressors. We carry big stressors, we carry small stressors. Uh, I was raised in a culture where you're supposed to kind of bottle it up, and I've learned over time that that's not the best thing to do. If you do let things rattle around in there for a while without talking it out, it can affect your life very negatively. Well, therapy is a safe space where you can get things off your chest, figure out how to work through whatever is weighing you down. If you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online. BetterHelp's designed to be convenient, flexible, and suited to your schedule. A lot of people 
have a barrier towards getting therapy because they think, well, I don't know, I've got to find the person, talk to them. What if I, it's not a good match. I, then it's awkward. None of that. You just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist, and then you switch therapists anytime for no additional charge. So get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash Conan today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P.com slash Conan. I know one of your castmates very well because he was a writer on our show and then we toured together and got to know each other really well, Dion Cole, Mm -hmm. and uh, who I know is an exceptionally funny guy and uh, and also... Uh, always brought a great perspective to to my show because I'm uh, afflicted. I'm afflicted with a kind of whiteness that's just stunning. You know, it's just like, <laughs> I'm not. I'm not just a white man. Uh, I am the whitest man many people have ever seen. <laughs> to the point where people are always trying to take me to the hospital. So, uh, but I mean, but but I know that uh, Dion. I'm so happy that that you guys found each other and that he found such a great place on your show. Yeah, no, so am I, man. And I actually met Dion uh, on one of my appearances on your show. That, that's oh, where, that's how I our know friendship, that. Yeah, that's how our friendship forged. I, I was hosting something or doing something, and I've always respected Dion in his brand of humor and whatnot. And one of uh, the times I was on, on the lot at Warner Brothers doing your show... Uh, he was around and I introduced myself and we just hit it off. And I was like, hey, man, I got some things that I'm working on. I'd like to collaborate with you. And uh, that's that's how it all started. And that's where our friendship began. And then, you know, years down the line, Blackish had come about. And, you know, Kenya and I were discussing who we could bring in for this particular character. Uh, and we brought Dion in for Charlie. And, and, that, uh, and that was the beginning of, of this love affair and this history. I, I, yeah. I, want, I want to know, how did you and Dion Cole connect? That's a, well, Dion did a stand-up set when, uh, during the eight minutes that I was hosting The Tonight Show. Uh, Dion was on, and he blew me away. And so that's when we started talking right then and there about how do we work together. Then I went on this national tour, and we got uh, Dion to come out. Uh, he was a writer on, you know, he became a writer on my show. And then when 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 I ended up going on that national tour between shows, Dion would come out in the middle. Reggie Watts opened the show, uh, who's brilliant. And then I would come out and do my stuff for a while. And then when I needed this break in the middle, I would bring Dion out, and he would consistently kill wherever we went. And then we just had all these adventures on the road. Mm-hmm. It was kind of, uh, he's been on the podcast and talked about some of those stories. And I encourage anyone who wants, you know, after this one, if you want to listen to a, a, another uh, funny podcast, listen to me with, with Dion Cole, because he had really hilarious stories. Uh, just, I just had a wonderful time with him. There are kinds of comedians that are funny when they need to be, and then you can talk to them and they, they won't turn it on. And, and you, and I'll say it of Dion too, are guys that just are like, no, you know, you're you're always fun. To, if I if we bumped into each other at a bro mitzvah, say, uh, <laughs> but a bro mitzvah that neither one of us were invited to, especially not me, and uh, we just started talking, uh, you'd be really funny, and and so that's uh, it's just like I've, I always am attracted to 
to people that I always gravitate towards people that are like, they're not, they're funny professionally, but they're also just really funny all the time. Oh yeah. Thank you, man. Thank you. And, and you know, it's crazy because every time we have seen each other, you know, it, it's been just that even, even no, no matter how brief the conversation or brief the encounter is between you and I, it's, it's always fun banter. Uh, uh, and before, uh, and, and as we're, we're going our separate ways, I was like, damn, Conan's a really cool dude. Oh, that's nice. <laughs> well, I remembered one moment we had where I was doing some kind of, they were having some big junket where all the shows had to show up. And I don't just mean on one network, but all the shows had to show up for this one junket. So I went out and I did something and I was done and I'm coming one way. And all of a sudden these double doors open up and you and the entire cast of Blackish are just about to go do your thing. And you walk out uh, you wa- we literally ran into each other and I just said, hey, and you guys were like, hey, Conan. And I said, you guys, Blackish, that is my story. with one small exception you ripped off my story and you guys were like (laughs) laughing at me like what an idiot Uh, (laughs) I would just like to see it in the trades if I was suing you guys for (laughs) you guys ripped off my story with Blackish and I am suing for 600 million (laughs) dollars What would you have called your story, Conan? <laughs> Sick, <laughs> sickish. I think I don't know. Palish, sickish. Uh, how about nauseous? Nauseous. Nauseous. That's a good one. Nauseous. Yeah, a good that would one. be mine. I, I know you know everybody, and uh, you're so widely respected. But you've got one celebrity friend, and I have to ask. I usually try to uh, restrain myself, but I have to ask because he's one of the biggest stars of the 20th slash 21st century. And I'm fascinated with this man. I'm talking about Michael Jordan. And you've spent time with Michael Jordan. And I've always been fascinated by him and admired him. And then, of course, like all of us during quarantine, I watched that incredible Mm -hmm. documentary, which only made me 10 times more fascinated with Michael Jordan. And you're one of the only people I know who hangs has hung out with this guy for extended periods of time. What can you tell me? Uh, very competitive. Oh, Talk, really? Talks, <laughs> talks a lot of shit, Conan, uh, and, and has a great sense of humor and just a fun dude to be around, man. Uh, but every, yeah. every little thing uh, with MJ uh, can be a competitive thing uh, from, you know, we, 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 we're, we're both avid golfers. Yep. Um, he's a much better golfer than I am, but I'm pretty decent. So he gave me my strokes. It just so happens that I was on fire that, ah. that day. Yeah. We, we were in the Bahamas and we were playing and I beat him uh, because of the strokes that he gave me. And he threw the money that he, at, he owed me at me. What? He just <laughs> threw it at me and said, <laughs> you're never getting strokes again. From here on out, we're playing straight up. He's like a four. I'm a 14. So he had to give me 10 strokes. And I bought, I beat him by about four or five. I was on fire that day. But since that moment, he, ne- he never plays me. That's unbelievable because uh, I know that, you know, okay, basketball is that competitive. Maybe golf is that competitive. The sense I get is that if you guys were playing the game Operation, you know, where you have the tweezers oh, yes. and you have to reach in and pull out the thigh bone and Michael was playing and the red nodes went, Ant! 
that he would smash the board. <laughs> Not far from the truth. Not far from the truth. Conan, uh, another Bahamas story years ago. This is when we became friends. It was the opening of the Cove at Atlantis. Uh, we were all there. And I, I, I traveled with Domino's. And I had no idea that MJ was going to be there. So I brought my cast iron red aluminum Jumpman Domino's. It has the mm-hmm. Jordan Jumpman on it. And I was like, hey, MJ, I would love to play you. Uh, uh, I would love to play some bones with you, man. You know, I said, I have my, I said, I have a pair of Jumpman bones with me. He said, how did you get those? I was like, don't worry about how I got them. I, I, I got them because I consider myself to be the MJ of Domino's. Uh, and I'd like to play you. And he turned to my wife and he said, sweetheart, I suggest you go to the bank and take out as much money as you can, because after I whip his ass, he will not be able to provide for you and your children. Oh, my God. (laughs) And I was there and I was just like, I just wanted a friendly game of bones with my my basketball hero. (laughs) And my wife turns to him and says, well, uh, Michael... Uh, I, I will not let him play you for money, but this is what him and his mama do. And he looked at her and said, oh, really? Meet me at the cabana at 12 o'clock tomorrow. I, we're laying out, laying out by the pool. My wife comes to me. She says, babe, she's real excited. She says, babe, MJ just got to the cabana. You ready? I was like, yeah. So I run upstairs. I grab the dominoes as I'm leaving. I said, babe, grab the camera. She gets the camera. We come down because I want to document this. Mm-hmm. It's MJ, Ahmad Rashad, myself, and somebody else he brought to play dominoes with us. I'm just having this regular game with him. I'm not talking trash. I'm just excited to be in the awe of this yeah. man. Yeah, this is historic. Yeah. MJ is talking cash shit. Conan. He's talking, he's talking about my mama. He's talking, he's talking, he's talking cash trash. And I have to sit there and just take it. He's like, he's like, I saw her in Raisin in the Sun. About 25 years ago, she was she was shit. She couldn't do it. So she was blown off the stage. So Conan, we're playing to 150. MJ has 125 I have 45 the guy he brought to the table to play with us has 75 I get domino and I and Jordan is playing after me so I turned to Jordan and I'll say MJ this is going to be the hardest 25 points you've ever had to score in your life Let's go. <laughs> now the gloves are off. I was like, you know, I'm, 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 I'm no longer in awe of this man. I was right. like, he's been up here talking about my mama. I'm like, fuck him. Okay, this is how it's going down. Conan, I commenced to whip his ass. Yes, Dominoes. Conan, he doesn't score another point. I'm talking so much trash that before I domino. I say, oh, my God. I said, MJ, I wish me and my wife could go upstairs and make another baby right now because we would name him or her MJ just so we could relive this moment right now. And my baby would got older and say, Daddy, why did you name me MJ? And I could relive relive the moment that I just whipped your ass. Domino, motherfucker. Yes. Yes. So what does he do? Uh, He plays another game. Uh-huh. <laughs> I whip his ass again. Oh my God. Conan, we are on an island 
together for the next three days. He can't go anywhere. <laughs> he can't go anywhere. I can't go anywhere. He refuses to talk to me for the next three days. <laughs> when, whenever we're taking a group photo or a picture, he asks. No, I'm take that back. He doesn't ask. He tells me to get out of the picture. <laughs> Nobody would know who I was anyway. So that's how he treated me for the next few days. <laughs> and that's how that's how our uh, friendship started. And uh, that's that's my buddy. And he loves my mother. Will do anything for my mother. Oh, man. that's great. That's great. I love. I mean, first of all, that is one of my favorite stories I've heard. We've done I don't know a hundred plus of these podcasts. That's one of my favorite stories. And it's also so much about partially what it takes to be great. Because obviously you see this man had great you know, he has great athletic talents, yes, but that was not the key. A lot of people do. He just found a way to make whatever it was, who can eat the most pistachios in 20 minutes right. and decide to make that a live or die situation. And that, that is, you know. That is exactly what he did. Hey, Conan, Dion yeah. Cole just FaceTime me. Can we FaceTime him? Yeah. All right, hold on. All right. He might be butt dialing you. There he is. <laughs> Dion Cole. It's Conan O'Brien. Dion. <laughs> Dion, where are you? Where are you, Dion? Oh, I'm driving on four five. <laughs> He's driving and FaceTiming. Oh my Wait, God. are you driving yourself and FaceTiming at the same time, Dion? Driving and FaceTiming, Coach. <laughs> Dion, no, our, no one can see us because this is a podcast, but you are wrapped up like you're driving through the Arctic Circle. <laughs> why, why the fuck are you wrapped up in 15 layers of 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 uh, parka and shearling. What's going on? You know I'm from Chicago. <laughs> I know, but you're in Los Angeles right now. So I know that you're from Chicago, but it's 74 degrees out. That ain't got nothing to do with how cold my heart is. <laughs> Dion, this is crazy because we were just talking about you. I'm serious. We just had a whole Dion Cole love fest. Uh, so, and then suddenly you're calling Anthony, and uh, you look like you look like you just are going to plant a flag right now in the North Pole. You look. <laughs> you, you all, you all are my two favorite guys, man. You know, I love you. I love both families. And both of you all made me very rich. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> well, that's why we want to talk to you, Dion. We both think we should get a cut. Yeah, we should. We <laughs> he hung up on us because we asked for our cut we asked for our cut that's hilarious he is texting and driving he's wearing sunglasses and you got to picture this uh ladies and gentlemen listening he is Dion cole looked honestly like he was on the back of a dog sled in a blizzard he's and he's in and he's inside his car in los angeles 
He looked like he was about to plant the first flag in the North Pole. Yes. <laughs> What's he doing? What's he doing? Uh, oh, my God. Uh, oh. Let, me, let me ask you something, because this has been, uh, God damn, it is so much fun talking to you. And this has been an absolute delight. I just want to ask you, you've accomplished so much. What do you have your eye on? Or is there anything you can talk about that, that's the next level for you? Or is there a next level for you? Uh, there's always a, a, a next level. I'm not sure of, I, I want to do more directing. I want to create, I want to mm-hmm. cre- I, I continue to create content mm-hmm. and, and give opportunities for other people to tell their stories. But, um, Kenya Barris just secured the rights, the life rights to, uh, Wally Amos, famous Amos, the cookie maker. Yeah. 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 And he wants me to be famous Amos. Oh my God! I'm sure, and I I don't know much about that story, but what I know is pretty spectacular. Yeah, yeah, no. Famous Amos basically created the gourmet cookie world in which we live in today. But yep. before Famous Amos cookies, before that, there were no gourmet cookies, and and this is what he started. This was the empire that he started, and he started three. Uh, and lost three empires in in the cookie world, and now is reinventing himself uh, all over again. And I, I think it's a, a a great story to tell. And as I say, Kenya Barris has the rights to it. And we were just talking about this last night, man. So looking forward to possibly doing that and playing Donny Hathaway when, when, before it's all said and done. It's always occurred to me every now and then I I know there's way too many talk shows uh, or we, we, we have a lot of them in this country and, and probably some of us should shut up and go away, myself included. But uh, you are one of those people who I've always thought you're so built for that format. I know it's time consuming and and everything, but you're such a, a vibrant personality and you're so curious and you're such a great, just con- natural conversationalist. I've always thought that's a guy who could easily, I know you're probably too busy for it, but if you wanted your own show, whether it was syndicated or network or whatever, I, you just seem like a natural for that format to no, me. No, I've, 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 I've thought about that. I've thought about that for years and uh, I, I would love to do that. Uh, so that that's also uh, part of the plan. Uh, not sure when we would carve out the time and make the time for that, but that's that's definitely uh, part of the plan. I, I'm on your podcast right now, and didn't even dawn on me. I'm starting my own podcast with my mother. Oh, you're kidding! No, you got to have me on. You got to have me on that. I would I, go on that in a second. I, I will, man. We're logistics of it right now, man. But uh, you know, a mother-son podcast uh, team uh, is, is just what it is. And, and that's a great idea. And that's what that's we a great do. idea. I, I will be picking your brain. Uh, about the best way uh, to do it and and how to accomplish that. I don't think you need, I honestly, I mean, you're welcome to, (laughs) you're welcome to pick my brain, but I don't think you need to know anything from me. You just be yourself and your mom. Doris is Doris. You are you. And you got a microphone and you're golden. And uh, that's, I swear swear to God, that's all you need. And then occasionally mention a mattress company or something like that. (laughs) (laughs) That's it? That's it, That's it. Yeah, yeah. Most of the ads I do I, I don't even have permission to do ads for them. I just start making up a product and uh, they, they don't, I don't get paid. It's get paid. I guess that's the point I'm trying to make. Don't do it my way. Uh, you know what, Anthony? Uh, I, I just, I adored this conversation. I, I love talking to you and uh, proud to know you. Just really proud to know you and, and uh, um, you know, 
Just happy to have you in my life. Oh, thank and you, brother. That means a lot to me, man. And the next time there's a bro mitzvah that you hear about, yeah. I want to be there. I got you. I think I- I got you. Yeah. I want to be at the next bro mitzvah. Say less. Say less, Conan. <laughs> it's probably what America's been telling you for years now, but I mean that in the best way possible. Say less. No. God, trust me. That's all I get is say less. And most people mean it exactly how you would think they would mean it. All right. Uh, Anthony, uh, God bless. Uh, so happy for all your success. And uh, my best to your mom. And uh, tell her I really want one of those eight by tens with a forged signature. You got it. I'm, you I, got it. I want one. I want one. <laughs> Sona, where else can you go surfing and skiing the same day, huh? I don't know. Or check out a world-class art museum and then camp at a dark sky sanctuary that night, huh? Yeah. Yeah, where else can you hike through redwoods and then get a luxury spa treatment? Where? Well, you live there. California. <laughs> California, Sona. No matter where California. you go across the state, you'll find a way to play. I'm a California resident, so are you. Sona, you are a lifelong California resident. I'm a lifer. I love this place. This is a beautiful state. Gorgeous. So many different, wonderful ecosystems in one state. You can hang out by a Palm Springs pool. You know, you can go whale watching. You can go hiking in Yosemite. And then uh, talk about the great cities in California. You get all this amazing food, sushi, whatever you want. They got it in California. Hey, if you can't find it in California, man, you got a problem. Yeah. I shouldn't have done that. I made that up on my own. Anyway, I love California. Discover why California is the ultimate playground. Head to visitcalifornia.com to start planning your trip today. You know, it's incredible to have the flexibility to work in all sorts of places, whether it's taking video calls from the park or emailing large files while you're grocery shopping. Sona, this is good for you. Is it? Because you're always doing whatever work you do for me from fun locations. But I like blaming it on not having reception. I know, but you can't do that here. Working on the go seamlessly requires a strong network, which is why you should check out T-Mobile, Sona. Okay. Then you got no excuses. They're America's largest and fastest 5G network. With T-Mobile, you'll be covered in more places with the 5G speed you need for your life on the go. Plus... They also cover more highway miles with 5G than anybody else. Check it out if you don't believe me. Hey, Blay, you've got T-Mobile, right? I do. I was actually just up in the woods in Idlewild. It was fantastic for the weekend. And uh, my T-Mobile didn't miss it. My T-Mobile phone didn't miss it. You know, beat. I wouldn't think you'd need a cell phone because you speak so loudly into a microphone. <laughs> well, I had to look some stuff up. Just take Sorry. it. Just take it down. I didn't know what brunch was. I can hear him. When the restaurant's open for brunch. Okay. Uh, so I used uh, my T-Mobile coverage to check out brunch. Play. That's all right. Anyway, wherever you are, you know, take it from the loud speaking Blay. If you're on the go, you want to be in the know, you want to make the show. What? Uh, T-Mobile. Okay. That's the one for you. That was I should weird. have rhymed it with go. Anyway, <laughs> find out more at T-Mobile.com slash network today. Coverage not available in some areas. Fastest based on median overall combined 5G speeds according to analysis by Ookla of Speed Test Intelligence Data Q3 2023. C 5G device coverage and access details at T-Mobile.com. On the Reddit message boards, people are talking about how they'd love to hear you do a history podcast, Conan. Uh, 
we might have mixed feelings about that and you just kind of moonlighting with another podcast. But other than that, is that something you'd be interested in? Well, first of all, I'd like to point out that they didn't say in addition to, it could mean they want this one to end. <laughs> oh, no. And they, and, they, and they want something with a little more fiber in it, you know, a little more protein. <laughs> I, I always go to the negative right away. And when someone says, hey, you know what you'd be really good at? I think you mean I, you don't like the thing I'm doing now. <laughs> Um, that's an interesting concept. I am a history buff. That's probably, uh, come across in our, during our ramblings on the podcast the last couple of years. I uh, also am a consumer of history podcasts. Uh, I've said this before, but I absolutely love Dan Carlin's hardcore history. But the other one I've been listening to recently is, you know, I just took a long car trip and we started listening to this podcast that's uh, by a guy named Mike Duncan, and it's called Revolutions. This guy is thorough. And I think the point I'm trying to make is uh, um, when people say, hey, Conan, you should do a history podcast. I've listened to real people that should be doing history podcasts like Dan Carlin and Mike Duncan. And man, Mike Duncan, he did one on the French Revolution, and I'm listening to it. I've listened to 10 episodes, and they're like 40 minutes each. He hasn't even gotten to the revolution yet. <laughs> That's the title of the show. And yeah, and uh, but he really takes his time, and it's brilliant. He's—I uh, give it up for Mike Duncan. I am not dissing him in any way. He's a brilliant guy, but. Man, very intelligent, and he really knows his stuff. And I think that's where I get intimidated. That's where I think I know some stuff about history, and I can uh, maybe shuck and jive and bounce around, and but it's not going to be credible. What era would you start? Uh, with? Man, that's a really good question. Let's have a little taste. Well, well, well first of all, and before we say what era would I start with, what about this? Look at my team. I've got Sona, what? who doesn't know about anything that happened no. before in sync formed. And then yeah. I've got Gourley. Now, I know you know some stuff, but you kind of know some stuff. This is my team. So keep in mind, whatever podcast we do, it's going to be the three of us Wait, doing a history podcast. And we're going to say, hey, Conan O'Brien here today. And uh, we are talking about the Russian Revolution. Oh, no. Quite an incredible revolution. I'm here with my team of history experts, Sonam Obsession. <laughs> oh, God. <laughs> uh, Sona, you're, you know about the Russian Revolution, right? They had a revolution in Russia recently? Yes. Well, you know, it's all relative. But huh. yes, it sort of broke out during... World War One. Okay. Uh, many people say it was a, a tottering regime, and World War One was going so badly that it pushed it over the edge. But huh. yeah, you know, 1917, I think, is a 1918 around then. Those are Russian Revolution years. I uh, stopped paying attention right after you said World War One. I'm so sorry. Did you say it was tottering? Um, I heard was, the word tottering. Yes. Yes. Okay. Uh, see, right. this is how it would go. Now, Gorley, you would jump in every now and then, right? Yeah. You, you know your stuff. That's the one where they were all a bunch of wooden dolls that lived inside each other. Exactly. <laughs> now we're talking. What happened was in Russia uh, in the uh, early 20th century, basically everyone was forced to live inside of someone else. And they were oh. all made of wood. 
And so this became, now that that's how it was for hundreds and hundreds of years. But then as you get into the 20th century and technology's improving, the little doll, the smallest doll at the bot, you know, at, at the very center doesn't want to live inside hundreds of thousands of other dolls. And, and huh. those other dolls don't want to live inside. And so the dolls start to rebel and suddenly they burst open and all the babushka dolls come out and they're fighting with each other. Okay. Yeah. Now, I'm loving this podcast. I think this is a green light. I want to know when the Russian mail order bride system started. I'm more interested in that than this like revolution you're talking about. Well, I mean, at the time, Sona, they used telegraphs. And so what would happen was that they would post a picture of a babushka lady made of wood <laughs> and uh, someone in the United States would see it in their local newspaper and they'd send a telegraph and say, I like that babushka, that one right there. Send her to me. I live on Delancey Street in Sioux Falls. I'm enclosing $4.15. Send the babushka doll to me and I will have sex with it. Jesus. Oh my God. Top of the charts, Apple Podcasts, three yeah. months running. Yeah, this, you know, the promise uh. of the podcast would be you'll know less than you did before. This yeah. podcast will actively make you stupid. So uh, then, of course, Rasputin enters the scene. Oh, he had Ra- a big dick. That's what I know about Rasputin. Whoa. <laughs> Jesus. Didn't he? That's the Whoa. thing that I know. That's the kind of history I think people are interested in, is that he has very large penis. Well, that's never been uh, confirmed, but it was a, that was a rumor about Rasputin, who was said uh-huh. to, uh, Rasputin, of course, the mad monk who uh, had the ear of the Tsarina, and uh, many people believe uh, helped alienate her even further from the Russian people and helped uh, foment the revolution. Many people thought that that Rasputin had to go, and in fact, he was assassinated. <laughs> but I, I digress. Anyway, yes, big, yes. probably big cock. Yeah, yeah. big cock. Wow. That's right up there with Catherine the Great having a bunch of sex with horses. Have you heard that? No. Uh, that's, yeah, but that's not true. That just didn't well, happen. Well, I'm sure it's not How true. How do you that know it's just, not true? You just hear about well, it. I've talked Catherine the Great? I've talked to the horses. The Catherine the Great uh, died <laughs> long ago, but horses keep very good records. And so I've read many of a horse. I've met, I've read many horse diary from the period and uh, they all say, no, didn't happen. Um, and we, we take offense. That sounds uh, like a bunch of bitter horses that weren't selected for the big night. Yeah. That could kill you. Yeah. Having sex with a horse. How could it not kill you? I know. You know what? Here's the thing. It's clear. (laughs) It's clear what our history podcast would be. And if Dan Carlin's listening or Mike Duncan, my apologies or to anyone in the true history community, but this is what my history podcast would be like. I would start by saying, uh, of course, Harry S. Truman uh, was faced with a very uh, difficult decision. Do, does he fire MacArthur because he has gone uh, north uh, of the parallel line in Korea and incurred the wrath of the Chinese government? Or does he, and then Sona would cut in and go, did MacArthur have a big dick? <laughs> And I'd go, what? And then the next thing you know, would be off and running. It would be me trying the best yeah. I could. Yeah. I think that's pretty good. And I, I say to Dan Carlin and Mike Duncan, step it up a little. Yeah. Do we need all that information? And right. also, you can't talk about Rasputin without talking about his penis, because that's what everybody knows about him. <laughs> or that song. You remember that song? Ra, ra, ra Rasputin, Rasputin yeah. lover of the <laughs> Russian queen. There was a cat who really was gone. <laughs> Is that the 
the lyric? Yes. Well, there you have it. Our take on the Russian Revolution. Uh, you're now ready if you've been listening and you are uh, 17 years old. You're ready to take the AP exam in Russian history and probably qualify for college credit. Just remember the words to the Rasputin song that he had a big dick, that everyone in Russia had to live inside someone else and they were all made of wood. And you're pretty much all set for the test. (laughs) Well, that's this week's episode of Big Dick History. We covered the Russian Revolution. Babushka dolls living inside each other. Rasputin, the old tripod, as they called him. (laughs) Next week, Milton Berle and the Rise of Vaudeville. Yeah. Next week, Milton Ferrell, The Rise of Vaudeville. And then uh, we'll be talking about a scandal involving Bess Truman. And boy, you don't want to miss that one. Class dismissed. Class dismissed. Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend with Sonam Obsessian and Conan O'Brien as himself. Produced by me, Matt Gorley. Executive produced by Adam Sachs, Joanna Solitaroff, and Jeff Ross at Team Coco, and Colin Anderson and Chris Bannon at Earwolf. Theme song by The White Stripes. Incidental music by Jimmy Vivino. Our supervising producer is Aaron Blair, and our associate talent producer is Jennifer Samples. The show is engineered by Will Becton. You can rate and review this show on Apple Podcasts, and you might find your review featured on a future episode. Got a question for Conan? Call the Team Coco hotline at 323-451-2821 and leave a message. It, too, could be featured on a future episode. And if you haven't already, please subscribe to Conan O'Brien Needs a Friend on Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, or wherever fine podcasts are downloaded. This has been a Team Coco production in association with Earwolf. Emmy Award-winning John Mulaney presents Everybody's in L.A., a special run of six live episodes created by and starring Mulaney that'll stream live on Netflix during the Netflix is a Joke Fest. The comically unconventional show will feature special guests where John Mulaney explores the city of Los Angeles during a week when every funny person is in it. Watch John Mulaney Presents Everybody's in L.A., debuting May 3rd live at 7 p.m. Pacific Time, only on Netflix.